0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. Westholm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia, and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more
2: at westholme.com slash That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver.
3: During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, 159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now.
4: If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time.
1: Hello and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese, and I'm Lauren Vogelbaum, and today we have an episode for you about Bouillabaisse.
2: Yes, so more fun with pronunciation, French. You know we
1: all love it. Uh huh. Uh huh.
2: (laughs) I feel like every time we try to do a what they call in the biz a tent pole event, which today is Bastille Day. Uh huh. uh, We always, for some reason, get delayed. And so we're recording this like day of, yeah, um, like
1: this morning. Uh, yep, yeah.
2: Uh, so we'll see if it comes out in time, but that just cracks me up. I feel like every time we actually try for yeah. some reason, a delay,
1: <laughs> yeah, same yeah, curse. That, that's fine. It's you know, it's roundabout, it's within an acceptable <laughs> uh, us, margin acceptable like of deal Day. <laughs>
2: Yes. Um, Well, I don't think I've ever had bouillabaisse. Oh no, I, I don't know. I feel like I. It's hard for me to believe I haven't. Um, I feel like maybe I had the San Francisco kind of similar dish, which I can never remember how to say. Um, The first I ever heard of it was in Harry Potter, so that must have been two thousand three. Okay. Apparently, it was also described in a Jane Austen book, and I haven't. Bread Jane Austen. But I think it was described, but it wasn't given the name. But essentially, what was being described was, was bouillabaisse.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't think I've had it. Uh, I, I, I've I, definitely had uh, Americanized versions that have had shellfish. <laughs> Scandal. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm waiting for your explanation of what it is. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's, it it was, oh, it's lovely. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's fish soup. I like fish. I like soup. I want, you know, I want all of those things, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, so I will, I will say that, uh, seafood is, is definitely my favorite type of protein. And so if I see it on a menu, it is likely that that is what I am ordering. And so, yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, I probably suffered from a lack of, from the name. Couldn't tell you what it was, <laughs> so <laughs> didn't bother to investigate further. Now that makes me really sad because I too love seafood and soup, so I'm sure I would probably love it. But oh. Maybe someday.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, <laughs> so we we need to take we we definitely need to take a field trip to the south of France. And yes,
2: <laughs> we can combine that with our much
1: awaited champagne trip. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Now let's just go to france for a few months it's just you know yeah i'm sure the boss will check off
2: on that with no questions <laughs> asked <laughs> or we just go you know don't ask for permission apologize later whatever that's yeah saying
1: <laughs> i mean hey we've got these we've got these relatively portable microphone rigs we can podcast from france that's true no one has to know
2: until the, the bill comes in, then there might be some questions.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, yep, yep.
2: Yes. Um, well, maybe we could plan it around December 14th, which is National Boullia Base Day, which kind of cracks me up because from what I understand, this is a U.S.-based holiday. <laughs> but, uh-huh. hey. Sure. I'd like Boulia Base here, too. Um, you can see our past episode on saffron and tomatoes, which sometimes come into play. In this dish. hmm hmm Yes, but I guess that brings us to our question. Boolia base.
1: What is it? Well, uh, bouillabaisse is a sunny, summery, brothy soup or stew dish, uh, rich with seafood and usually a little bit of potato, and bright and earthy with uh, veg and herbs and spices like onion, tomato, fennel, saffron, orange zest, parsley, thyme, and bay. Um, and, And the idea is to cook down a a lovely broth with all of those aromatics, uh, plus probably some fish bones or like prepared stock, uh, plus some olive oil, then strain um, and or blend it, then add sliced potatoes and the seafood towards the end just enough to cook it through. Um, Depending on the recipe, the broth can be almost more like a sauce for the seafood um, to be sopped up with bread instead of a spooned or sipped. And the the olive oil is an interesting ingredient because it it, it emulsifies and makes the soup creamy without adding the weight of dairy. So the seafood that goes into it is traditionally like a a firm white fish. The dish originated in or perhaps has been adopted by Marseille, uh, a port city in southern France. And uh, what they traditionally say needs to go in to Bouillabaisse is at least four- of six types of fish, um, including local things like monkfish and conger eel, um, but probably definitely red scorpionfish. That's that's critical. Yeah. Okay. It's a it's a, it's a type <laughs> of rockfish. I have no experience with it. But uh, but yeah, folks add all kinds of things. Um, you know, similar types of fish from local catches. Uh, you know, whatever your local species of rockfish, or maybe a red snapper or halibut or grouper, but also lobster crab, clams, mussels, scallops, shrimp. Uh-oh. <laughs> I am getting more controversial the further down that list I go. <laughs> I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> I've got I've got my hands up in the defensive gesture again. I'm like I am only reporting. I'm only reporting what I what I read, okay? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not recommending, only reporting. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, because cuz like uh like many like like comforting regional dishes there are disagreements about what makes a proper bouillabaisse. Um do you remove the veg entirely or do you puree it into the broth? What seasonings go in the broth? Is wine and or Pernod or pastis appropriate or necessary to the broth? Uh does orange zest and or peel belong in there at all? <laughs>
2: This sounds so deep and intense. <laughs> the questions of bouillabaisse. <laughs> I keep wanting to say bouillabaisse. Darn you, French! <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, kind of the existential food questions. Yeah, I have often on this show.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think I think at the end of the day, you have these are questions you have to ask yourself. We Indeed. cannot answer them for you. No. But. In any case, um, it's usually served by scooping out some of that just cooked through seafood and, and laying it out on a, on a tray or tureen, and then ladling the broth over it. Um, and then with lots of crusty toasted bread and, um, and as a garnish for both the bread and the broth, this uh, thick, creamy type of sauce or spread called rouille. Um, and Rui gets its name from its rusty red color, uh, which comes from uh, the saffron and ground chilies or sometimes sweet peppers that are used to make it. Um, it's uh, it's thickened uh, with powdered breadcrumbs or potato starch um, and can be made with either just emulsified olive oil or with oil plus egg yolks uh, like a like a mayonnaise. It's also seasoned with raw garlic. So it's got this really nice, warm, spicy, earthy kick to it. Um, a simple aioli, uh, which is mayo with garlic, can also be used. But yeah, uh, sometimes uh, bouillabaisse is served as a sort of like two-course meal: the first, just the soup, plus bread, and then the fish plus the soup.
5: Hmm.
2: <laughs> I've heard it's ca- it can be kind of a, a whole thing. A production, as they sometimes say right? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, it's definitely. I mean, you know, it's it's usually like uh, in. In Marseille, I've I, I've come to understand they they will serve it by like, you know, cooking everything in the back and then coming and presenting you tableside with the fish, with like whole fish, mm-hmm. just to prove what kinds of fish are going into it, and then either fillet it table side or whisk the fish back into the kitchen and then present you with a platter and yeah the the broth gets poured in it's a whole thing sometimes you float the uh the bread the toasted bread on top of the (laughs) broth it seems great it seems great i did not have that fancy of an experience mine came in a bowl and i ate it but (laughs) that was also delightful so (laughs) how very basic lauren <laughs> uh, and there, there are all kinds of rifts on on the dish as well. Like especially in the tourist districts um, in Marseille, uh, like like I've read about like fish fillet sandwiches that are served with a with a cup of broth on the side. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like a like a three course bouillabaisse experience with a with a course of raw shellfish and then bites of fish in a light broth and then a heavier soup with crabs booyah base experience (laughs) it's a
2: magic show i want to go to you oh right (laughs) yes i'm already i can picture it now (laughs) um what about the nutrition
1: um booyah base is really pretty good for you you know lots of lean protein lots of vitamins and minerals uh i mean you know i'd say like don't Use it as an excuse to eat, like, an entire loaf of bread, perhaps. (laughs) Um, But, uh, or do, and that's a treat, and that's nice. Uh, But, yeah, yeah, it it depends on how you make it. Watch your portion sizes. Eat a vegetable. (laughs) It is funny with these. I I do that
2: all the time with soups or any kind of thing where it's, like, you use some usually bread-like implement Mm -hmm. to eat it. I'm a fast, I'm not a fast eater, but I, like... You can be a fast eater, my dude. (laughs) I can be. <laughs> Generally, I'm not, but I can be. And so I, I'll, it's just, I need more bread to eat the soup. Oh, and yeah. And so the, the next thing I know, yeah, a whole loaf of bread has been used. Yeah. Usually there's still some soup
1: left. Some soup left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to, I have to pace my bread. It's all about skill, really, and control, <laughs> but
2: skill. <laughs> I don't want to eat any of bread
1: without the soup. No, that would be ridiculous. That would be ridiculous. But I do want a lot of bread (laughs) with every bite. Yes. Only makes sense. It's a balancing act. Um,
2: We do have some numbers for you. We do. So Marseille, where this dish, yes, allegedly hails from and where it is arguably the most popular... Has a population of about one million, and this matters because of some of the requirements around what makes bullia base base, which we'll get into. We've already gone over some of them, but there was a whole another whole thing that happened, uh-huh. um, especially in terms of fish, doesn't match up with the amount caught and the amount of bullia base eaten there.
1: Yeah, um, I've read that it's it's not really a thing that. Locals would order in a restaurant, um, but because it is so well known in that area by tourists, like a single restaurant might go through two tons of fish a week during Ooh. the tourist season in the summer, and and it can it can get pricey depending on what types. It's a it's a labor intensive dish to prepare. You know, you're 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 making the soup, and then you're adding all of these all of this lovely fresh seafood. Um, so some of the fancy versions in Marseille restaurants can run you like 75 bucks to like 250 for for a meal. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: bet that's the experience.
1: Yeah, that one, that, that latter one is definitely on the experience side. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, a Julia Child said of The Dish in uh, 1970 on her show The French Chef... I always feel that part of Marseille itself is cooked right into the bouillabaisse. You can somehow just taste the flavor, the color, the excitement of that old port.
2: Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Oh, should expect no less of Julia Child, but I do love that when you taste something and it just brings you right to a place. Yes. Yes. Ah.
1: (laughs) And we do have a lot to say about the history. Of that place. We do, uh, but first we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
3: During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only 159 installed with pad. That's right, 159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now.
4: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity.
6: Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions
2: apply. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So in its humble beginnings, Bullion Base was simply boiled fish. <laughs> um, how the story goes after that Very hotly debated, Mm -hmm. especially in Marseille, where the people claim it is, yes, an invention of theirs. Some say a fisherman used some of his catch to boil up a fish soup while at sea. Others say it was a dish of necessity, something to use up unsold fish. It was originally called buis abeso, or boil lower, in Provencal, which makes sense.
1: Yeah, um, and maybe. Uh, there, there are at least four origin stories for the name. Um a popular one is that it's a corruption of bouillier uh, to boil and pays uh fish, bouille pays, bouille base. Uh, I don't know. But it seems more <laughs> likely that it comes from um from right uh, from from a from bouillon a base, uh, like broth reduced. Anyway. Anyway, the name for this dish first
2: appeared in the French language about 200 years ago. And in the words of acclaimed food writer Clifford Wright, one of the earliest uses of the word bouillabaisse was in the 1830s as a term expressing the rapidity of the cooking. Stindhal mentioned bases, perhaps referring to a fish stew, in his travels from 1806. But the famous French chef, Raymond Olivier, writing in The Gastronomy of France, makes some extraordinary claims about bouillabaisse. He tells us that it is first mentioned in a dictionary from 1785 that its heritage is Phoenician- via Greek Sicily, and that the rules for the making of bouillabaisse were laid down in the 16th century. None of this is supported by any evidence, but in any case, I agree with this estimation that in bouillabaisse, it is essential to retain all the delicacy of the fish and never to debase through too much zeal a symphony of taste, which is so hard to achieve.
1: A symphony of taste. That's excellent. (laughs) Never debase through too much zeal a symphony (laughs) of taste. It's so hard to achieve. Gosh. It is. It is.
2: <laughs> According to some sources, the ancestor yeah. of goes all the way back to 600 BCE in ancient Greece, which Marseille was a Greek colony at the time. It may have also appeared in Roman mythology when Venus fed a similar soup to Vulcan in order to get him to fall asleep so she could go fool around with Mars. Um, and yeah, many ancient writings described a boiled fish soup. Again, this is something that just makes sense to me for folks near water that, yeah, why not make that? Yeah. Again, people like to get very particular about the exact definition of bouillabaisse, which makes yep. the history very fun. But hmm. there you go. Um, going back to that fisherman theory, uh, they would put their catch in boiling water and then lower the temperature in order to poach it. This was described in an early Provencal poem by Escrimezi. Never put oil in bouillabaisse. Water nourishes the fish, but oil destroys it. (laughs) But yeah, like you were saying, Lauren, people argue, as they like to do, that oil is key in making the broth. Or that the lower in the name actually refers to the reduction of broth before adding in the fish to achieve a stronger flavor. An Italian recipe from the 15th century closely resembles bouillabaisse apart from the oily fish use. So that's generally, from what I understand, a no-no. But this recipe used to use things like uh, salmon and anchovies. So, Huh,
1: okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, s- some recipes labeled bouillabaisse in uh, classical Provencal cuisine didn't use fish at all. Um, there was one called uh, blind bouillabaisse that incorporated eggs instead of the fish. Um, uh, Another that added spinach in there. I don't know. Whoa! (laughs) This
2: feels like the kale gumbo
1: debate, and I don't even know much
2: about bouillabaisse. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that would ruffle some feathers.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, At at any rate, by the late 1700s, uh, bouillabaisse was being served in French restaurants, which were new at the time and had come out of the uh, French Revolution, uh, both um, putting chefs who had been working for the aristocracy out of jobs and, and also um, ending the guild system, um, which had kept the trade of cookery to like a select few. Um, you can see our early episode um, on French cuisine for more about all of that. Yes,
2: and bouillabaisse changed as haute cuisine in France coalesced with chefs adding in the fish after they prepared the soup. This also marked bouillabaisse becoming a food of the bourgeoisie as opposed to kind of this widespread popular food it was prior, just something everyday people ate.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, uh, a recipe out of the 1830s called for both sea bass and spiny lobster, uh, both of which were were pricey at the time. So. hmm
2: in 1873, Alexandre Dumas featured it in his work La Grande Dictionnaire de la Cuisine. Then Chef Jean-Baptiste Raboul's recipe, first put into writing in his 1897 book La Cuisinière Provençale, became this recipe became the standard recipe until the 20th century. It called for boiling whole small rockfish, um, sieving them and straining them. Apparently, some restaurants Live in fear of being sued after a customer chokes on a fishbone. Oh, yeah. I guess, like, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. No fair. Yes. While this recipe was the go-to, the 1800s is also when folks started really experimenting with ingredients, or at least when the written record reflects that, adding in things like potatoes, celery, onions, and tomatoes.
1: That would have been roundabout when, um, when tomatoes were were being more widely incorporated into French cuisine. I think that they had been used in southern France before other areas, but yeah. Yes, I fondly remember
2: uh, our our episode on tomatoes and how a lot of, especially rich people in Europe, were like, these are poisonous and might turn you into werewolves. (laughs) So I had questions about that as well, but (laughs) After the First World War, the guy behind popularizing France gastro-tourism at the time, the Prince of Gastronomes, Kiernotsky, Um, and I looked this fellow up because I was like, one name only, what's this about? And very interesting <laughs> dude, but that was like his pin name, um, called Bouillabaisse the Soup of Gold for the color due to saffron and or the complex flavor, which is just a great nickname to have. Yeah, Both are good, Prince of Gastronomes and Soup of Gold. Yeah, much. good
1: nicknames all around. Mm-hmm.
2: With the dawn of the 20th century, less than honorable restaurateurs in Marseille looking to screw unwitting tourists <laughs> started serving cheap, low-quality versions of bouillabaisse. This, in turn, led to a lowering of opinion around the dish, which, yes, was associated with this area. It was a point of pride, and it was something tourists were coming to try. Um, and then they're getting this lower-quality version, mm-hmm. it's lowering the opinion, So this led to a group of restaurateurs in the area coming together in 1980 to preserve and boost this dish's reputation. They created a set of specifications for bouillabaisse, including the fish that should be used, dictating that it should be at least four. Uh Um, And they also suggested that the fish in question should be presented and filleted at the table so consumers knew what they were getting. I do find it interesting because that's like the same time um, Gelato went through a similar yeah. thing. But yeah, I, I'm a very suspicious person, but I also don't really have a lot of know-how when it comes to these
1: things. Yeah, yeah. you could show me literally any fish and I would right. be like, cool, that's <laughs> okay. a fish.
2: Great. Yeah, the, the first time I ordered a bottle of wine at a fancy restaurant, they bought <laughs> it out. They did uh-huh. the whole thing and then they like uncorked it and I just took the cork and smelled it, it was like is it the cheapest wine you have <laughs> and they were like oh they totally clocked me yeah for yeah husband. they were like
1: yes ma'am then it's great it's <laughs> relatively inexpensive miss <laughs> I'll take it <laughs> and it was delicious
2: um but uh, uh Julia Child raised awareness around bouillabaisse Base in America when she included a recipe for it in her 1968 work, The French Chef Cookbook. Before that, a lot of average Americans perhaps had not heard of it. And then here's this lovely, bright
1: dish that Julia Child is very happy to share. <laughs> Extremely happy. Happy yes. as only Julia could be. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I... uh I love it. I love it when we do episodes where I wind up with a craving for a thing that I haven't ever really even experienced.
2: Yeah. Yep. Same feeling. It. Um. <laughs> but I have an idea in my head. Yeah. And it, it the idea tastes lovely. <laughs> uh, but hopefully we can rectify this, Lauren. I feel like we say that at the end of every episode. Yeah. Um,
1: and it happens maybe fifty percent, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, as as we as we start getting getting back into travel, maybe maybe our our rate will go up. We'll yes. see. We'll see what Let's happens. Boost those
2: numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the meantime, I guess that's what we have to say about Bolivia Base for now. It is. Uh, we do have some listener mail for you. We do, but first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor.
4: at PurdueGlobal.edu.
5: Happy Pride from TomboyX. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.
2: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
1: Yes, thank you.
2: And we're back with Listener Listener Bright and summery. Yeah. It's a musical. Stacey wrote, I am behind in my podcast listing, so I just heard the mac and cheese episode. I have to share some of my loves with this food. Hmm. I live in Sacramento, and we have a great farmer's market. One bender is a dairy from, oh no, Petaluma? Um, I hope I didn't butcher that. Um, Spring Hill Cheese. Look them up. I love mac and cheese with their smoked firehouse cheddar. Divine. And to kick it up a notch, I also stir in some goat cheese. You kind of made fun of mac and cheese for breakfast, so I must defend it vigorously. (laughs) (laughs) I make breakfast mac, and it is wildly popular in our home. I chop up bacon and stir that into the mac and cheese, not firehouse. Anyway, then top it with an over-easy egg. When you cut into the egg, the yolk mixes with the cheese sauce to make it even more rich and magical. Then I've added breadcrumbs with garlic and choose one, either garlic, red pepper flakes, thyme, or sage. It's truly delightful. I hope you can try it. Speaking of bacon, have you done a bacon episode? I've begun curing and smoking my own bacon. Game changer. (laughs) We went through 40 pounds of pork belly at Christmas as we gave out 1.5 pound packs of homemade bacon as Christmas gifts. Try stirring that into my breakfast mac and cheese and garlic breadcrumbs and an over easy egg.
1: Oh, wow. Yes, please. (laughs) Yes, please do all. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, and okay. So, so, so I feel, I feel a little defensive and I, and so I want to say that, that the, uh, the, the type of breakfast mac and cheese that we were making fun of was just like the cup of like craft mac and cheese being sold as a breakfast food. (laughs) Yes,
2: we, I'm whatever you want your mac and cheese. I want you to have it then. Um,
1: yeah. Yes. And I mean, and even and even the craft microwaveable cup. Do it. Do it. I approve. It. Yeah. Add bacon or hot
2: sauce or eggs. Oh, I love so it. Good.
1: Yes. That sounds amazing. It really does. Oh, oh I've gosh. never. Oh, I've never I've never cured or smoked anything. Um, but that sounds like such a lovely thing to do. Uh, we did. We did do a bacon episode. We did a bacon episode. Um, I just looked it up. I do not know this off the top of my head in April of 2018. Yes. Uh, so you can see that. That might be specifically the one
2: we talk about
1: breakfast,
2: at least in part, because we did a breakfast episode, but we talked about kind of the marketing behind breakfast foods and that one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, bake, Bacon Right was, was one of the big ones um, that, that good old Eddie Bernays got oh. into. <laughs> so yes. Yeah, we're on a we're on a first name basis, me and <laughs> this bad guy. I knew it. <laughs> um, uh, J D wrote, "I was listening to your Pimento Cheese episode uh, when you mentioned your confusion about UF having Pepsi products on campus, and there's an interesting reason for it: Gatorade. Uh, I'm a fellow Gator, B A O three and M A fifteen, and I grew up going to football games in Gainesville." Florida previously had Coca-Cola products on campus, but that changed while I was a student when Pepsi bought Quaker Oats in 2001. Quaker was the owner of Gatorade after purchasing Stokely Van Camp Incorporated in 1990. Uh, SVC had been the manufacturer of Gatorade since entering into an agreement with the University of Florida professor Dr. Robert Cade following the 1969 Orange Bowl. The university which receives 20% royalties on Gatorade sales, obviously wants to keep ties to its most famous invention. Apparently, Coca-Cola was okay with this, even after they created a competing product, the vastly inferior Powerade. But once it was acquired by a direct competitor, I assume either Coke, Pepsi, or both had a problem with continuing the arrangement. I don't recall whether the change was immediate, but by my senior year, it had been completed. (laughs)
2: Ah, oh, I have so many things to say. I love when there's a a topic where I, I like, don't drink Coca-Cola, for instance, <laughs> but I have strong opinions about it. I prefer yeah. Powerade. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and also, I went to Georgia Tech, and, like, I wasn't really into school spirit, but you were our enemies. <laughs> no. Oh, oh, so
1: my bad. That's right, Lauren. I've just been waiting. <laughs> if it helps, I was not on the football team. I doesn't. <laughs> no? Okay.
2: Right. well um, But I do find this really interesting. I did not know that 20% of the royalties of Gatorade went to University of Florida. And like I said, Georgia Tech is in Atlanta, which is the Coca-Cola headquarters. So uh-huh. like restaurants that are owned or affiliated with Pepsi, uh, like Taco Bell and Pizza Hut, which I think is still the same, but when I was there, this was the case. So like the only ones that sell Coca-Cola instead of Pepsi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that is interesting. And JD also suggested we do an episode on uh, sports drinks, which we have been, I mean, years probably has been on the <laughs> list. And we've been like, one day. It's another one of those topics where we're like, definitely one day.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a lot in the, I mean, the, the, the science about it is so wibbly wobbly. Um, mm-hmm. That I'm kind of like, oh, I don't feel like digging through that. <laughs> like Annie's going to ask, and what about the nutrition? And I'm going to be like, ah. that's fine. We want you to be your
2: authentic self. And if your authentic <laughs> self feels like screaming into the podcast void, <laughs> then that's what that's how it is. You can also just be like, Annie, I don't have time for your nonsensical questions today.
1: Uh well, thank you. I I appreciate the support.
2: Yes. Despite being my collegiate enemy, I will I will look past it.
1: Okay. That's that's very big of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Annie. Thank you. I am a very big person. I appreciate you noticing. <laughs>
2: Oh, goodness. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, thanks to both of those listeners for writing to
1: us. If you would like to write to us, you can or email us hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Savor is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way.
3: During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad.
0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
5: Happy Pride from TomboyX. X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit tomboyx.com to shop.
6: Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is.